Hello and welcome to yet another instalment of our Nucleus Wealth Insight series. Just a quick reminder that the following presentation is general information only and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Whilst Nucleus Wealth aims to present informing and sometimes entertaining content, please consult your investment professional, financial advisor, or better yet, speak to us before making any decisions based on any of the themes discussed in today's presentation. And don't forget that this is a live presentation, so feel free to drop any questions you like in the chat box below and we can answer them along the way. If you're watching this after the event, make sure you attend the next one so you too can participate in the live Q&A section of our presentation. Our presenters today include myself, Tim Fuller, a certified financial advisor who has worked with hundreds of clients over the years, helping to make the complex simple for companies such as AMP, Mercer and independent advisories. Sitting across from me, we have Nucleus Wealth's Head of Investments, Damien Klassen, whose 25 years in the world of finance has seen him as the founding partner and head of research at analyst firm Aegis Equities, head of quantitative strategy at Wilson HTM, and was responsible for mining energy and big data in the $60 billion global quantitative equity fund at Troders, which are a multinational, multinational asset management company. And of course, for more information, please check out our people section at www.nucleuswealth.com. Yes, and uh, hello and welcome to our next installment of Nucleus Insights. Is it time to sell Europe? Uh, now, obviously, Europe's been a, a bit of a hot topic over the last, uh, I guess, what, since the GFC, really. And um, there's been a number of reasons for you to get in and maybe a number of reasons for you to get out. And we're going to have a bit of a, a broad look and a little bit of a deep dive as well on uh, some of the history post-GFC uh, that uh, has come out of uh, investing in Europe. And then, of course, uh, where to from here. So uh, before we jump into it, we've got our, uh, our, as always, our agenda for today's webinar. Uh, we're going to be looking uh, broadly at the economics of, of the Eurozone. Having a look, of course, at the currencies, uh, the euro and other currencies. Uh, then uh, we're going to be chiming in with some of the uh, some thoughts from some corporate earnings forecasts, and then, of course, how that can affect valuations. So uh, I will, of course, uh, as well introduce our head of investments, Damien Klassen. Welcome, Damien. Thanks, Jim. And uh, let's jump into it, mate. So um, headline G uh, GDP, gross domestic product. Uh, where does the eurozone stand? Yeah. So the thing at the moment is um, eurozone's actually got uh, higher GDP growth than, than the US, so we keep talking about the US being in this boom. But you know, when you look at when you look at the, the raw statistics, um, that the headline GDP figures are, are roughly the same. However, that does hide a lot of what's going on in underneath. So um, you know, the, the the broad sweep of things was that um, we had this financial crisis, and and Europe was um, a bit a bit delayed relative to the US. Sure, um, and then they uh, came and fell a bit further. Um, a few countries in particular that that had um, had significant problems there in terms of Spain and, and Ireland and um, uh, and, and Italy um, and plus Greece and so the and, and then they came out of to come out of the G, uh, the financial crisis in sort of 2010 2011 and GDP growth is all bouncing back okay then euro tips back again and so they sort of with a lot of the stimulus was withdrawn uh, currency was quite high and um, 
uh, you tip back into recession in a number of these countries, and, and you know the, the concern was it was is this going to spiral up further out of control um, before we sort of got this uh, the Draghi's you know whatever it takes moment, and and um, since then you know things have been sort of gradually improving. Okay, sure, and um, and I guess uh, it's it, you know and this will probably be an overarching theme of Europe being a, a problem of the sum of its parts as opposed to uh, in reflections against other major economies. Absolutely, yeah, lots of different things going on um, at, at the underlying levels, and I tend to I'll, I'll break it out a little bit further, but it, as we go through, but I tend to try and look at things as as the eurozone, which is countries that are on the euro, okay. versus countries that are not on the euro, because there are some differences you, you see within them. Okay, sure thing, and um, this is quite. A, an interesting chart, and I, uh, I recommend anyone who's listening in on a podcast to uh, to check out our, uh, our webinars in uh, at nucleuswealth.com. Um, but the the unemployment here is is a, is a remarkable uh, camel's hump. I think you could probably call that in the in the European Union. Do you want to run yeah. us through those? So so you started you know two thousand and eight pretty similar levels of unemployment sort of um, in terms of the uh, the US and uh, and in terms of uh, Europe. Uh, then the financial crisis hits a little bit higher in in, in Europe, but financial crisis hits and um, you know the the unemployment rate goes goes up quite dramatically uh, in both countries. The then we get this sort of stabilising um, in in Europe, uh, and then sort of around that 2012 level, um, you know, as that recession starts to kick in again, the uh, that, that goes even higher. So it sort of peaks out at um, uh, sort of you know 11 percent ish in terms of the uh, the 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 rate yep. and then once you had that sort of draggy moment and, and you know another year sort of goes on and you're getting close to 2014 um, then it's been been falling pretty steadily since then but again it's the it's the underlying stuff where the, where the interesting um, things are happening and that that's on this next chart we've got sure um, but that's which is basically just showing that uh, you know, the, un- the unemployment in Spain sort of hit your your 25 percent levels wow um, and just really took off. Um, yeah, and and is now just sort of falling back to uh, you know high teens still, which you'd sort of call depression level yep. um, uh, unemployment in terms of Spain. Uh, whereas someone like Germany, you know, we've got this chart and it's basically showing you can barely see the financial crisis on it. Didn't, in terms of didn't move the needle at all, did it? That's yeah. just, it's unbelievable. You've got this tiny little tick up and and then just um, down from there. Yep. And and that's very much the story of the the European European and We've sort of, I won't go completely into the, the sort of background in terms of um, where we see the European uh, the issues, but, it, but broadly, um, be, just because we haven't got time in this one, sure. um, we won't have time to get onto the valuation and everything, but we have written sort of quite extensively in, in the past on that, and you can sort of find that in some of our primers or, or research reports. Yep, sure. But, but basically the idea is you've got this economy where um, Germany, which has got, uh, which sort of went into the euro with... With uh, wages that were quite low, and uh, they came to an accord, uh, which kept wages low, and 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 then also kept um, unemployment low. Um, so you've got them sort of sitting at as as the, the powerhouse, the economic powerhouse of, of Europe. Well, they're the manufacturing base and and mm. the capacity, I guess. And then yep. you've got a lot of other countries um, with, uh, and they're all tied to the same. They're all tied to the same currency. Currency, of course. So so ordinarily, you'd have this one powerhouse uh, currency country. Sorry. If it had its own currency, the the, the Deutsche Mark, it would have shot higher. 
um, which would have meant that uh, buying stuff from Germany was more expensive and, and buying things from, from Spain got cheaper as their currency fell. And so then you'd, you'd sort of have this rebalancing effect from, from currencies and it's all... It's a little bit painful, but it's a lot, you know, a lot less painful. Um, so in it's, terms a, of that. it's a systematic sort of, um, uh, I guess, uh, what would you call it? Outcome, really, of, of those, yeah, you know, having mixed currencies. But, yeah, but having them tied together has meant that um, you've the you can no longer do it through adjusting the uh, inflation. So through adjusting currencies, currencies, so now you have to do it through wages, and unfortunately, wages are very sticky. Yep. Um, because nobody, everyone hates getting a pay cut. Yep, um, sure. And especially, you know, wh- whereas a currency falling is effectively a, a pay cut, you don't notice it in your own home currency. Yep. Uh, and so, um, and so that's where we, you know, a, a lot of the problems are still sitting there under underneath the surface and really haven't gone away. To I mean, they're they're improving, but they really haven't gone away from a from a from a big picture sense. Okay, sure. Um, and these would be, I guess, the outer bounds of, of each side of of, uh, of employment for your, uh, for your mind. Yeah, the, I mean, Greece is worse, um, okay. but um, <laughs> and and Netherlands is sort of similar to Germany, but you okay. know, that's they're largely the, um, the 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 two big ones that sort of make a make the big difference. Yeah, we'll illustrate it. the point. Yeah, great comparison there. Okay, sure. And of course, uh, the uh, we've got unemployment and growth there. Uh, you you potentially also have inflation, but yeah, what can you tell us yeah. about that? Yeah, so inflation is just extremely weak. Um, the you, you've basically got a sort of a Japanese dollar inflation in, in the end. You know, the last five years we've seen core inflation barely move from one percent. So the, the, the ECB's target is is two percent. Sure. And so um, you know, the, it ticks itself up to to one point two percent or one point three, and everyone says it's it's all coming. Pops you know, the cork, and then <laughs> we're back down again. And then, and so um, yeah, the uh, the headline inflation's been a bit higher recently. It sort of tipped up to did did hit the two two percent level. So, okay. and keeping in mind that's the sort of that's the that's the bottom the bottom, bottom end bottom yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah expect sure. to be above that as well as below <laughs> that. But um, but that was largely on the back of rising oil prices, and and, okay. that, and that's fallen back down now, and it's sort of headed it's under one and a half percent. So um, you know it, the the issue is that despite falling unemployment, there's still plenty of slack, and um, you know inflation is just nowhere to be seen. Okay, yeah, it's quite telling. Um, and obviously, uh, we sort of spoke before about the, uh, the potential for the ECB um, to the central bank to to begin a, a process of QE, um, in lo- in fairly much in, in lockstep, but a couple of years later to uh, to the US. Yeah, so they they did um, spend up after the financial crisis. They spent up, then they then they said. You know, victory and yep. started to withdraw all the um, all the amounts. So sort of at a similar time frame to the to the US and and the US when the US was starting to to withdraw and and the US was genuinely you know on the recovery path, whereas Europe the issues still remained. And so they they tried that you know back into recession, um, obviously way too early, and um, then they've had to reembark upon a, another path of of quantitative easing. And the uh, the issue is this, they're still going. Like I mean, they're, they're they're tapering. They've been tapering back recently in terms. But when we say tapering back, it's that's still increasing their balance sheet. You know, every day, every month, they're out there, um, you know, buying more bonds and pushing, um, trying to push people into into riskier assets. And so even in the even in the back of them, you know, with this dramatic increase in the their the balance sheet and and. Um, still out there buying, we, they cannot get inflation going. Yeah, okay. And so, uh, you know, so we still think there's there's some way away from 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 getting to a back on on a sort of normal footing. There. Okay. Yep. Sure. And and, and I guess um, with an expanding uh, central bank sort of an inflationary or a QE style, you'd expect it to have a re- requisite effect on currency uh, for the euro. So yeah. So so part of the issue we've got a 
chart just sort of showing up there for people listening in who, who can't see it, just sort of showing the, where the euro's been over the last few years. And and when I say the uh, you know the problems with the uh, falling into recession um, was partly euro as well. Uh, the euro was quite high, so versus the versus the US dollar it was sort of one thirty to one forty type levels. Um, and so what that means is if you're a uh, if you're a German car manufacturer, yep. um, it's harder to sell your 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 goods overseas because your currency is higher and take costs are higher and 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 so forth. And so, sure. um, but but it's and, and then worse again for for the Spanish and the Italian ones who are so locked in it um, with wages that are higher as well and and and, um, and and still into the same currency. So the ECB sort of restarting all the Q, the quantitative easing was very helpful. It sort of pushed the uh, the currency down sort of thirty odd percent. Uh, versus the versus the US dollar and, and pretty similar versus a lot of other countries, um, and what that meant was now you could actually start to see um, you know that thirty percent was pr- was probably uh, was too much for Germany, but, okay. but probably not enough for some of the other uh, current countries within the uh, within the eurozone. Sure. And so what that did mean was that um, you did that's sort of why we saw part of the reason for seeing that re- that recovery was that, that that big fall in the euro. The thing is, what's happened over the last uh, year or so is that now um, the euros, you know, as growth started to come back, um, the euros sort of taken off. And versus the US dollar, it's up sort of twenty odd percent versus wow. the US dollar, and, and yep. similar amounts versus a number of other uh, currencies. And and you know, even the um, uh, the Aussie, which is sort of, I'll, I'll move on to in a, in, a, in a minute. But yeah, so it's been been quite strong. So that's that's got to start making a difference to the. Um, yeah, in the same way that the thirty percent devaluation yep. made kick, a big can difference. help kickstart. Yep, um, you know this is uh, starting to make a difference to, um, to to economic growth within Europe and and competitiveness. A currency can give us a currency can take it away. Yeah, um, and so I guess then uh, in in relation to a couple of the other major uh, currencies, currencies? In yeah, 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 sure. So, so it is worth, well worth noting Europe isn't one currency. Um, so you've got this eurozone, which is anyone who's on the euro, and what I call the Europe X eurozone, which is um, a lot of these other peripheral countries. So um, you've got Sweden and Norway uh, are two big ones. So they're both sort of the the currencies are both down about twenty percent over the last five years versus the euro. Okay. So um, yeah, sort of one more reason for. Um, you know those 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 current countries haven't had the exactly haven't had the same effect. Okay. Um, you've got uh, the the UK, which is sort of down about twenty percent over three years, last three years in terms sure. of the currency. Yep. Um, and then you've got the even the Swiss franc, which has sort of been you know the, the world's strongest currency, mm. um, is sort of is down about ten percent over the last year versus the euro. So so all those effects of saying about you know the, the effect of having a lower euro in terms of uh, helping your exports and helping your employment sure. is great. But um, even against not only is it been rising versus euro uh, versus the US, US dollar, yep. it's also been rising versus all these other um, peripheral countries. So okay. so net net, if you're in the eurozone, is is worse than being ex the eurozone for your manufacturing and 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 export um, makes sense economy. Okay, sure thing. Um, and uh, you know, just a quick reflection on uh, the euro uh, versus the our Aussie. currency. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, there's not a lot of trade between Europe and Australia. So there's not um, as it's not as much of an issue for either current uh, country really. But in terms of a, from an investor's perspective, um, it is worth noting that so the the versus the US dollar. Um, if you're investing in US shares over the last year, um, the the Aussie dollar has been up a little bit. Okay. Um, so it's been a slight headwind against you. Yep. So shares have risen a lot. Um, currencies uh, risen a little bit. So you, you sort of 
gained a lot on your shares and given back a couple of percent on your um, on your currency over that time frame. Yep, sure. In Europe, um, it's been a tailwind for you. So the you've um, the euro has risen by ten percent versus the Aussie dollar. Yep. So um, you've seen that that um, your dollar of shares, forget whether it went up or, or down or in terms down. of uh, yep. in, in euros, it's up. Ten percent just on the currency over the last year, and the beauty of uh, international investing. Yeah, that's <laughs> when it right. works for you. <laughs> and so the question is, yeah, even, so even with a strong Aussie dollar, you've, yep. the the euro has been even stronger. Yeah, okay. And, and yeah, so the fascinating. And so the question then is, you know, is this now the time to, to start, you know, taking some profits on that euro trade on the back of all these things, sort of uh, all all these things adding up. Okay. Yep. Sure. Okay. So that's so sort of the first two we've done is the economics side, yep. um, where we're saying, okay, look, things are. You can pull out some numbers that look quite good, but when you dig into it, things are a lot weaker, and it's very much a, a tale of um, what's happening in Germany versus the um, rest of the eurozone. The rest essentially, of the eurozone. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Spain is the is the, is the opposite end, and and, yep. every, and most other countries are, are somewhere in between, but probably closer to the um, the, so, the Spanish one. Than, yep. Than, sure. Than, okay. Um, than not. And then, uh, yep, looking at uh, obviously the currency sort of side of things here. Yeah. Yep. Then, the, then the currency we're saying, okay, the currency's been strong. Was you know what helped them in sort of the 2014, 2015, and the weakened weakened currency is now flipped around and, and is going to start um, going to start working the opposite way. Yeah, working against us. So that and then we go on to, to what's happening to corporate earnings because what happens to an economy isn't the same as what happens to companies within that economy, and you do get um, some quite big divergences in terms of um, in in terms of corporate earnings from time to time. And corporate earnings in Europe are strong. They're um, fascinating. I've got, a, I've got this, yeah. yeah. I've got this graph up at the moment, which is just showing. It's a, it's a little bit confusing, um, but I think these the, I find these very useful ones. So what it is is showing what's the what are the forecasts doing over time. So analysts make forecasts as to what they think the company's going to earn next year. Yep. And then as as the year goes on, um, they gradually revise those. Um, those forecasts are either up or down. Either, yeah, so you get a bit of a feel for the long-term or mid-term sentiment, essentially. Absolutely. Okay. And so what's happened over basically every year since 2009, we've seen earnings roughly half. Yeah. So sometimes yep. some years have only been down 40%, other years they've been down 60 So Some big numbers. Yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit typical in terms of saying analysts do tend to uh, overestimate the next year and, and then and then revise downwards. Sure. But you don't usually see earnings half. And yep. so that's been, a, you know, that, that time period has been uh, been very poor for corporate earnings. Uh, the flip side then, so then we start to move into the current times and we saw 2017 um, earnings fell by about, so, so they made these initial forecasts and then ratcheted those forecasts down 25%. And then we hit this time um, you know, about a year ago or so, a little bit, little bit earlier, and then they started to revise upwards. So we down 25%, then it, then have risen another 15%. Okay. So still down on the original numbers, but 2017, which is now done, was was the actual the last six to, to twelve months was um was was all about the upgrades. Yeah, sure. So an inflection point essentially in the sentiment. Uh, not the sentiment, but the the actual earning. Oh, so actual, I guess the, the actual earnings are coming through. Oh, so, right. Okay. So it was, yep. it was all it was about earnings going to happen next year. Earnings going to happen next year. Well, and they kept on getting pushed out all the way through from two thousand and nine to two thousand seventeen. Yep. Um, two thousand seventeen, we actually started to see those earnings starting to come. Come around. Okay. Then we saw. Then now and now we're looking at 2018, and we've sort of had the same thing. You know, earnings have been rising, so we're actually at a, at a high point in terms of the 2018 forecasts. We haven't had um, earnings forecast. You know, that there is they're higher than they were um, when they were, when we first saw them, sort of two years ago when we first started seeing people making initial estimates of 2018. Yep. Now the numbers are actually higher than that, and 2019 same. You know, we're just seeing um, that that growth. So. Um, 
2019 is a long way off. Um, analysts aren't very good at forecasting longer-term numbers, so you, know, you don't take too much into these. Sure. But the trend is certainly very strong and, and you know, suggesting that, um, which is what I tend to look at in terms of these, is saying, well, I know they generally get downgraded, and so when we're actually seeing upgrades, that's like a double... Um, yeah, yeah, positive. Yeah, yeah sure. It's yeah, a bit okay. like bit, uh, reverse of analyst forecast. Uh, sorry, analyst recommendations. You know, if you see a buy call, that's just like well, you know, it's a, it's a standard. <laughs> if you see a sell call, it's like okay, this is something important. Okay, and, sure. And, and the the it's the same with uh, these earnings. The opposite with these earnings. If we're seeing downgrades. Well, that's that's your usual cases that you'll see earnings downgraded ten percent or so over a year. But when we're seeing upgrades, that's a um, that's a strong signal. And so these um, these earnings, just to sort of quickly sort of put the microscope on those. But we, what, what's what's been the change then? I guess obviously there's been uh, the forecast, and now we yep. know the numbers are ticking up. So just to break that down for, for the listeners, yeah. So we've seen a, a little bit more strength in demand. Okay. Um, the uh, you've some of that will be the uh, will will be the strength in sales as your currency's fallen, and you, and you can start doing some more exporting. Yep. Uh, the we're seeing that um, debt's quite cheap, and so uh, the the cost of financing and everything has come down. So that's that's helped. Yep. Uh, tax rates. A lot of these com- companies are multinationals, and and there have been tax cuts in in um, uh, in the UK and, and other places. So sure. you know, we are seeing benefits from those. Uh, and one of the biggest benefits, though, is that high unemployment means weak wage growth. Uh, so yep. uh, lots of slack in the economy. Um, lots of workers out there. You don't have to raise wages as much, and so um, you know companies can improve their margins. Yep, more more output and more more profits potentially. Mm. Okay, sure. Um, and then looking again, uh, similar uh, graph, but this time looking at uh, outside the eurozone. Ex euro, yeah. So Europe, but but not in the euro. It shows a similar sign. It's not as strong, um, but but shows a similar sign. Um, I might jump then to the just the margins. So okay. I've got a, a chart. Up just sort of showing the um, the earnings before interest and tax margin, which um, has got that same trend. Is that and this is just this is actual actual results, and so uh, just showing that in both those markets uh, it is it's genuine improvement. So it's not just low interest rates and it's not just low taxes that's doing this. It is genuine um, margin expansion. Okay. So yep. um, yeah, that's well, nice to know that it's not completely an external effect and there is actually some some people doing the right thing at a company yeah, level ab- absolutely so because i mean it's as soon as you see earnings improving that's the first thing you want to know is well how much of it was the tax rate yep because if it's all the tax rate and a lower interest rate you're saying well these things can be taken away exactly and they're they're a one-off effect generally yep. you know, taxes get cut and now you've got to wait a while before you they're not going to be rolling tax cuts year on year no that's <laughs> right well yeah they have been for a long time but you know it's, at some stage you have to you hit you hit zero and you cut yeah. well, you know all, all low numbers gotcha okay um, so yeah, so corporate earnings are strong. So economy mixed, um, currency is a bit of a headwind. Corporate earnings firmly behind um, companies in terms of the the, uh, the the earnings that we're seeing. Okay, sure. The last piece is then the valuation. So um, there's yeah, you know, there's lots of ways to cut this. I've used I've used the twelve month forward price to earnings in in, in a chart here just. Just as an illustrative, it is similar across a range of other measures um, that you do need to sort of look at. Um, and, and what I what I've used is I've looked at what the average is for the world, and then what the average is in in both the the eurozone and the uh, Europe x the, the eurozone. And so what you generally see, or over the last ten years or so, um, the eurozone sort of been on this ten to fifteen percent discount to the to the rest of the world, largely because the US you know, stronger growth prospects and and 
and more company friendly and yep. and, and things like that. So, um, you've, but the, but the thing about the eurozone is um, you've picked up a lot of you've got a lot of performance price performance. Um, okay. So even though you've had these earnings, earnings growth in the US has been just as strong. Yep. And you've seen, or even stronger. And so what you've seen is that rather than being on a sort of ten to fifteen percent discount, now it's roughly on a five percent discount. Wow. Okay. So it's not it's not as expensive. I mean, it got more expensive sort of a, a year or two ago, but the issue is it's it's not particularly cheap. It's a yep. little bit cheap versus the market. Maybe that's you know it probably deserves some sort of discount just because of uh, growth is is probably more likely to be higher in the US and US have got these tax cuts coming through that are that are helping going to help companies a bit more than than in Europe. Okay, but um, the eurozone is not particularly cheap um, relative to to where it's traded over sort of the last ten years or so. Uh, in terms of it's not expensive, but yeah, not particularly so, cheap. And the forecast being, I guess it's it's where where we headed from here. Then is it going to Given the, the there is a bit of positive sentiment, do you th- do you feel that there? You could be, you could see you could see some more positivity on that. I, I tend to you know forecasting whether valuations or forecasting changes in in price to earnings ratios is is probably the hardest bit. Yep, because uh, it's a sentiment guess versus if, I guess I, we tend the way we tend to invest is we say well if if we can find stocks that are, that are cheap and good quality, yep, um, cheap at current rates and 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 good quality, then we figure that'll that'll hold us out. Um, you know, and if and if if the um, if the PE ratios expand in certain markets, those stocks go from being cheap to, to not being cheap, and then we and then you can sell tip them. out and yep, yep. Go, to, go to the next take, ones that take some profits. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So the the euros the Europe X the eurozone though um, is showing a bit is looking relatively cheap. So it's sort of that same bit sort of trading in that sort of ten to fifteen percent discount to the world, and it's trading on about a fifteen percent discount at the moment. Okay. Sure. Now, now it's worth keeping in mind. Um, there's a lot of stocks in these, so it's not true of every stock. This is just a this is these are just aggregates across the, the whole spectrum. There are still certainly stocks within uh, the eurozone that we're, we're interested in and we, we own. Yep. And and stocks. Um, uh, well, and as you say, there's still there's still uh, the potential for good quality stocks within the eurozone to be cheap. Yeah, poorly yeah. priced at the moment and yeah. and worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. But yep. but but in aggregate, um, you know, we're we're less attracted to stocks in the eurozone. Yep. And we're more attracted to stocks ex the eurozone for for so so they sort of add up from, um, as we go through those those all those ones. The economics um is, is is um, you know, a similar I guess in terms of in terms of how we're looking at it. Yep. Um, usually a little bit stronger. Um, but but that's not not always the case. The um, the currency is is definitely looking better over the shorter term okay. within within the, most of those countries, uh, and then the uh, the corporate earnings a little bit weaker, but the valuation more than makes up for that. Is, as as you can buy them at a lot cheaper than um, than than the stocks within the the eurozone. Okay, sure. And so that sort of gives you that um, you know got a little bit of a map up there of just some some of the countries that are they're in the eurozone or not in the eurozone. Um, as a sort of countries of focus for for us at Nucleus Wealth, yeah. So they've um, and that's actually the last latest, latest month. Um, we found most of those countries. You know, we got a lot of there was a lot of stocks within those that um, that really performed well for us. So the a double. So the uh, during February the global markets were down um, about half percent or so. Our yep. portfolios were up about one and a bit percent. Wow. Yep. Um, and most of that was driven from a lot of these countries. So um, you've, we've got some, um, you know, a Finnish. Uh, Company that uh, that uh, wood, you know, produces wood, wood. And, okay. and, and and products from that. We've got a uh, Danish company that does uh, wind turbines. There's yep. A, okay. We've got some reinsurers in in Switzerland. Um, we've got there's um, 
Uh, Anything in the UK? Uh, yeah, we've got a lot in the UK. The UK yeah. wasn't actually one of those markets. So oh, right. Okay. In the latest one. But, <laughs> but there was, uh, yeah, it's actually, I should, it's in the latest report there. And that there's some countries in There's some ones in Sweden as well that performed quite well for us. A Swedish match, which is a, um, a tobacco company there. Okay. So lots, lots of these peripheral companies really did help us in in that um, in that latest month. Um, what a, what I guess it's worth noting is that um, if you're in if you're looking at um, ETFs for sure. this for this market, yep. is that you do just need to recognise that when you buy a European ETF, you're getting a whole mismatch of these ones. Gotcha. So you may you you know are you getting exposure to what you're looking to get exposure to? Um, quite possibly not. You're probably getting a you know, a whole range of, of, of different markets and, and um, you know, we, we like the idea of being able to pick the ones we like. Absolutely. You know, at the moment, I don't think Europe is a um, is an index bet. So some, sometimes you sort of go, yes, these countries are very cheap and, you know, we like all the big socks and all that type of stuff. You may as well just buy the index and, and off you go. Yep. At the moment, um, it's a much more nuanced story in Europe and, and you know, trying to dig that dig out the ones that you like is, is more important. Um the other thing you can get is the other thing we're trying to do as well is is keep in mind most of these com- com- companies are multinationals, sure. And so the fact that it's listed in one country doesn't necessarily mean that you're, it represents um, that country. Absolutely, yep, yeah, sure. And so we've spoken a few times about something like Unilever, where um, yeah, it's listed in the UK, well, and and in the Netherlands, but you know, it's its biggest market to the US and China. So wow, yep. Um, you know. The, the, it's important to know what you're getting from the from from the actual stocks, and so we're generally tending to say, um, because the euro has risen, we're not really looking for exporters, um, okay. and you know internal demand there we need to be a bit selective about as well, um, and so within the eurozone we're saying okay well if we can find companies that um, we can buy them at or sorry within the within Europe if we can find companies where we can get them at a cheaper price, and we can get exposure to other growth markets. Uh, usually not the euro win-win then yeah it's a win-win for us so um yeah so i guess the the answer is is the time to sell europe um i think within the eurozone yes um i think there is time to, to be taking profits within those um and yet there's the um the specter of, of opportunity in uh, in the non-eurozone europe areas yeah, as well though yeah <laughs> exactly and and the problem as well that we we face as a as a, as a global fund manager is it's nice to say yeah great Made lots of money in Europe. Let's take our money and and then. But then, if we're looking at the US, it's quite overpriced as well. It's you know, it's yep. it's quite hard to then say, well, um, where, yeah, where do we go? Where else Where's the next step? Yeah, yeah. That's right. and oh, so um, yeah. So for, for the moment, we're sort of uh, yeah trying to pick the eyes out of. Uh, you can get the power of our uh, European views and and uh, global experience into your portfolio. Uh, feel free just to stay tuned for our a little bit more information about nuclear well. Thanks very much, Damien, for for dropping in and uh, sharing with us. Uh, what what we should be doing with Europe. Thanks, Jim. Cheers. Nucleus Wealth and the Macro Business Fund was put together to help give you access to quality, well-researched stock analysis and superior macroeconomically-minded asset allocation. We use technology to help us provide a service typically only available to high net worth and sophisticated investors at a fee level that rivals the more basic solutions available to these everyday investors. We do this by using separately managed accounts, which allows clients to enjoy unparalleled transparency in what they own and why. It also means that each client effectively owns their own separate and discrete share portfolio, which is managed by us. We have partnered with Linear Asset Management, who are backed by the ANZ Bank for cash management, and JP Morgan, one of the biggest banks in the world, as custodian of your assets. 
We feel that this structure is the gold standard for your financial protection. In addition to this, we offer 19 separate and individual ethical screens that you can use to help tailor your investment. To ensure that your money is not being used to support companies that deal in areas and practices that you feel are important. By eliminating the areas that are only important to you, you keep the potential for higher returning areas that you might otherwise be ambivalent about. And these would typically be ruled out in broader ethical products currently available in the market. The name Nucleus comes from our ability to provide the core holdings of a client's portfolio, allowing them the time to explore areas that may be of interest or they may have experience in. We also offer a complete investment solution for those who don't have time to coordinate their own investments. Our investment team has decades of experience in world markets and we have access to a global team of stock analysts. By removing the layers of middlemen that typically sit between your money and the markets, we've been able to reduce fees and provide unparalleled transparency in the solution we provide. For more information on what we can do for you, please call 1300 623 863 or contact us through www.nucleuswealth.com. And uh, join us next week for our uh, next instalment of Nucleus Insights. So it's actually the second part of our Quant Rocks for Picking Stocks series. Uh, it's, our, uh, it's our quality edition, so we'll be uh, diving into some of the methodology and practices that we use every day at Nucleus Wealth uh, to help uh, ascertain uh, the quality of companies that, um, that we choose for, for investment. So that's on Thursday, the 22nd of March, same bat time, same bat channel, 12.30 p.m. And if you'd like to register your interest, please head over to proton.nucleuswealth.com and uh, we'll see you then. And just finally, we also have our, uh, our follow-up questionnaire, and it's also available at the bottom of our live webinar page. If you'd like to click on that, give us a little bit of feedback on how we've gone today, and also uh, just jot down any uh, future topics that you'd like to hear about or uh, have us uh, as the content for future webinars. So on that note, I'll thank you very much for uh, your attendance. I hope you got something out of it. I certainly did. And uh, we'll look forward to catching you at the next one. Cheers. <laughs>